listener production. The Mojo returns to US stocks with tech names leading the improvement. And Aussie shares expected to open higher on Tuesday ahead of key consumer and business confidence surveys. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Tuesday, the 12th of September. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, compared to what we've seen in recent days, I suppose the tone, at least, for US stocks much improved. The tech names which have been punished, actually, over the course of recent sessions, they have recovered uh, in rather energetic fashion last night. The NASDAQ up 1.1%, the S&P 500 up 0.7%, and the Dow up by a third of a percent. Yes, so we got some exciting company news overnight. We saw Tesla shares rally 10.1% after broker Morgan Stanley upgraded the electric car maker to overweight from equal weight, saying its dojo supercomputer could boost the company's market value by nearly $600 billion. So that really propelled tech shares higher. Better platforms added 3.3% after reports said the social media platform was working on a new, more powerful artificial intelligence system and we did see Amazon.com shares and Microsoft shares climb up to 3.5%, and Qualcomm shares jumped 3.9% after the chipmaker signed a new deal with Apple to supply 5G chips to the iPhone maker until at least 2026, Tom. There's a lot to unpack within those statements that you've made. Let's just go in reverse order. Qualcomm. So this organization had been uh, under pressure from time to time historically because they've said, uh, well, Apple had said that they're going to go it alone in terms of uh, developing their own chip. And it just highlights that even with uh, the resources of an organization like Apple, they are behind the mark in terms of developing their technology internally. They've had to go back to Qualcomm. That must have been a humbling conversation for Mr. Cook, I would have thought. That's interesting within this conversation that's going on around China, banning Apple products at the moment. Uh, what do you think of this? Well, the continued sales to Apple boost Qualcomm's handset business Mm. and could soften the blow of potentially losing a critical customer there, Tom. So certainly a strategic move. So just to put that into context, in in recent days, we have seen Qualcomm shares down by as much as 10%. And this news uh, saw the shares recovered quite markedly, up up by 4% over the course of the day. But what was interesting, Ryan, is that the semiconductor index, the, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, notwithstanding the recovery for stocks uh, in the tech space last night was only just able to finish in positive territory. It was only a small improvement. So I'm very wary of what's going on in the tech space at the moment. There's a very substantial ebbing of that frothiness that has been a feature in in recent days. So overnight, we had the uh, Philadelphia Semiconductor Index up by about 1.2% at its best. It was down by about the same amount at its low, recovered, it just limped into positive territory. NVIDIA shares were a key one there. They were down by 0.9%, closing at 451.78 US dollars a share. So we have seen NVIDIA shares under a little bit of pressure recently after that stratospheric rise throughout 2023. So over the course of the year so far, NVIDIA shares up by more than 200%, uh, AMD up by about 62%. There's a lot of daylight between those two outcomes. Broadcom up by more than 50%, Applied Materials up by about the same amount, Intel up by around 45%. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not this consolidation that we're seeing at the moment translates to the high watermark being in place for these organizations or whether or not it is just a buying opportunity. So that will, I suppose, reveal itself over the course of coming days. It will. And of course, we've got 
Apple's product event on Tuesday in the US dubbed Wonderlust. That's a bit sort of heated or... Who's dubbed it? I'm not quite sure. Is it, it's, is it Apple themselves? But, but either way, it's, it Maybe. sounds a little bit risque, Tom. There's nothing lustful about it, is there? I wouldn't have thought so. So, uh, of course, Apple's set to unveil the iPhone 15 alongside updated watches and AirPods. The company will be prodding users towards pricier models, helping boost revenue at a time when it's sorely needed. Indeed. So Apple shares up by a third of a percent this session, having fallen by 3% in the previous session and 3.5% in the session before that. It's going to have to pull something lustful out of its hat. There are other couple of points to make on the US share market last night, Tom. We heard from US Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. She raised hopes that the US economy is headed towards a soft landing. And also at the same time, we got the latest consumer inflation expectations data for the month of August, and that surprisingly lifted. So it was at 3.6% in August from 3.5% in July. That's the first increase in five months, albeit a fairly modest increase. It's true. And I suppose this is important to note in terms of the fervor, in terms of the rate of change of expectations. So, you know, you, if you have a shift in an important barometer, like that, a forward-looking assessment of inflation, that tends to have an acute impact when it comes to interest rate markets. And we've seen that from time to time over recent history. But last night, it was a bit of a, you know, a, bit of a sniff. And let's move on. Two-year Treasury notes were largely flat at 4.98%. And the 10-year Treasury note just barely moved up by two basis points to 4.28%. So you know, the con- concern around that type of thing seems to be moderating where interest rate markets are concerned. They're, they're pushing higher, but nothing that is unsettling. Would you agree with that assessment? I would. And what we did see with the survey was that prices for rent, homes, food, all that type of thing, all lifted. That's not surprising in this environment at the moment. But one of the things that did stand out is respondents indicate that the ability to get credit is harder now than it was a year ago. That rose to 60%. Thank God. We did hear from Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan Chase overnight, Tom. And he said, while the US economy is doing well, it would be a huge mistake to believe that it'll last for years. He was, it was very negative, I found. Topping his concerns included central banks rating in liquidity programs via quantitative tightening. So obviously the back end of their bond buying program, that's now ended, that's running off. The Ukraine war, that hasn't ended. And governments around the world, he said, are spending like drunken sailors at the moment. So concerns around debt and deficits. And to say the consumer is strong today, meaning you're going to have a booming environment for years is a huge mistake. So I think he's a little bit annoyed at the moment. That could be due to the regulatory focus at the moment. We've seen some new regulatory mandates, which he considers hugely disappointing for US banks on the back of the turmoil in the regional banking sector early this year. And he pushed for greater transparency from regulating that JP Morgan would have to hold about 30% more capital than European banks. Uh, speaking of the Europeans, it was a genuinely positive session in that neck of the woods last night. The UK market up by a quarter of a percent, French market up by a half, German market up by a third. The stock 600 index was up by a third of a percent. A decent push higher, actually, for European interest rates. Having said that, a 10 year gilt, that's a 10 year bond in the UK, up by Four basis points to 4.46%. A German Bund, a 10-year Bund, up by three basis points to 2.63%. So a a general push higher as far as interest rates are concerned. Last night, 
there's concern that the Bank of England might be a little more punchy in terms of uh, their next decision. Yeah, that was at the margins. There was a little bit of pressure on bonds globally overnight on the back of the Bank of Japan. So the Bank of Japan stepped into the market on Monday after a report flagging a possible early end to the central bank's negative rate policy, and that pushed Japanese bond yields higher. So we saw the 10-year Japanese bond yield jump six basis points to 0.7%. That's the highest level since January 2014. So there's now expectations that the Bank of Japan, through its governor, Ueda, uh, they may look to normalise their policy somewhat. The picture as we move into the local session today... The futures are fairly flat. The SPY contract is up six basis points or about 0.1 of a percent. Commodity prices, I note, are generally on the softer side of things. We've got oil down by about a quarter of a percent. Uh, the US dollar under these circumstances, again, a bit of a tell. It's been moderating in the last session. Gold prices up by around 0.2 of a percent. The Aussie dollar picked up a little bit of ground overnight. So it looked under pressure, I must say, in recent days. Uh, in the high 63 area, but it's come good. It's at 64.3 US cents at the moment. That's not a bad outcome given all of the negativity that's coming out of China at the moment. Well, there's a reason for that. We got new bank lending data from China late yesterday, and that beat market expectations by nearly quadrupling in August from July's level as the central bank sought to shore up economic growth amid soft demand at home and abroad. So Chinese banks extended 1.36 trillion yuan which equates to 186 billion US dollars in new yuan loans in August, up from 345.9 billion yuan in July, according to the People's Bank of China. So we did see a modest improvement in credit growth as policy measures helped the economy to stabilise and mortgage loans rebounded, which indicates that rate cuts and policy easing in the property sector helped boost buyer sentiment. So on the back of that, we did see copper futures up by 2.4% and aluminium futures up by 1.1%. Iron ore was also high by 1.1%, also on the back of a tentative sign of stabilisation when it comes to those deflationary pressures in China, which we saw on the weekend. Yes, well, there have also been comments out of uh, China warning uh, speculation against the renminbi as well, which... Yes. Um, may have been a part of that overall conversation. So I think broadly at the moment, the markets are really downplaying any prospect of a near-term recovery for the Chinese economy. It's now a question of reassuring global investors that they've got some more firepower that can make a difference over the course of the medium term. That's, um, I think, a reasonable way of characterizing the assessment of China. Absolutely. And later this week, we're going to get an update from China when it comes to its monthly activity data. So we've got retail trade, fixed asset investment, industrial production all being released on Friday. Those numbers are anticipated to be fairly modest in terms of the outcomes there. So all eyes will be on those numbers and the activity in the Chinese economy on the back of that. Today, I think um, it'll just be a bit of a workmanlike effort in terms of the, the local session. You're expecting anything in particular to, uh, to crop up and make a difference? Today, we do have some economic data of note. So we bet, get both consumer and business confidence surveys. They won't move the needle as far as the market's concerned, in what my would it, opinion. What would it take in these surveys to lift your gaze from your keyboard, Ryan? Well, I think that if we start to see business conditions weaken significantly, then, of course, that'll take any 
opportunity for rate hike completely off the table if it's not already off the table. So one of the things that's held up reasonably well during the course of the rate hike cycle has been business conditions from the NAB Mm -hmm. survey. We're expecting to see business conditions and confidence to have softened in August. The economy continues to slow. Pricing and labour cost expectations will be most in focus this month after a sharp rise in both measures in the price survey. So they're good barometers of inflation in response to the July increase in the award and minimum wage. Of course, we also get the consumer confidence number. Consumers have been in the doldrums during this period and they're holding the recessionary lows, these indexes, and there'll be a big focus around unemployment expectations. They've deteriorated of late and housing indicators where price expectations are very strong, but buying intentions are very weak. So these are the monthly uh, consumer sentiment figures. So they're probably just going to be a continuation of what we've seen as far as the weekly iterations are concerned. You wouldn't um, expect any vast departure, would you? No, the expectation is that we'll continue to see a stabilisation of consumer pessimism (laughs) around current levels and hopes, of course, that the Reserve Bank's nearing the end of its rate hike cycle is providing some support for consumers at the moment. But of course, the cost of living pressures are first and foremost front of mind. Perhaps a a pedestrian day on offer for the local market today, but uh, things certainly hot up towards the back end of the week and maybe that's what investors will be doing. They'll be just saving their strength for that. Absolutely. It's going to be the US inflation numbers, European Central Bank policy decision and the Chinese economic data on Friday that really does move markets. Best till last. Thanks very much for tuning in this morning. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.